Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 114. Today, we've got Jill Coleman on here. It's going to be pretty much the best business fitness podcast episode we've done yet to date. Um, so if you're really interested in that or want to grow your business, your brand, Jill's got a lot of great information. We talk uh, a theme we've been on recently, a lot of creating versus consuming. So you're going to want to check that out a little bit about tuning out other people's social media and getting really excited about your own and investing in creating uh, your own brand identity. We talk about her Ready, Fire, Aim project. Uh, and its mission, and some of Jill's challenges along the way towards her current level of success. Stay tuned and enjoy. Shut up and sit down. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fitness Devil Podcast. So over the years, especially if you're a regular listener, uh, we featured a lot of prominent, successful industry guests. Uh, we've had a, over 110 episodes now. Uh, I've also had a very short list of inspiring people we'd hope to interview. And our guest today, Jill Coleman, has sat very, very high on that list. And we actually uh, linked up, chatted, and so she's here with us. Uh, and it's really important to realize how like, busy the schedules of our guests are. So we're really super appreciative of the kindness that they take to actually come and talk to us. So. Jill, thanks for coming on. Oh my gosh, my pleasure. So excited to be here. Good. It's like everyone else. We just like, he, he's basically, that's a short version of like, we met on Instagram and like, we know the same people and it was like, you have to get on. <laughs> I know how right. it works. Like we've had this person, so we must get that person. Yeah, it's great. And uh, obviously we had Jade, who you're very close with, Jade Tata, yep. on in a semi-recent episode. And, and anyone who's listened to that, Jade is just wow in terms of just how just engaging, awesome, charismatic he is. So when we talk about uh, reaching out to you. So guys, so two, two types of people are going to be here. People who actually found us through Jill and, or know who Jill is and they understand this. And then there may be some people who just haven't come across Jill yet. So uh, you're a coach, you're a writer for a bunch of major publications, Women's Health, Shape Magazines, are just a couple of them. Uh, and you're also a fitness business mentor, but you've been doing it for a while, the high quality stuff, not the, the stuff we like to, have fun with the guys who are in uh, everybody's DMs who are teaching people <laughs> what is it, I ticket coach, like this sort of stuff. Your stuff. Because I always tell my girls, like, you realize that they're going to teach you that pr practice, right? Like, that's exactly what they want to teach you how to do. So, if that feels yucky to you, then, like, it's probably not the right person to coach with. We're like the worst. Like, I, I feel bad because, like, it, it always ends up coming up, and maybe it's just because of like the circles we roll with, but like it's it's, it's such low hanging fruit. And so at this point, like it, but it always just comes up. And then we also have people that are like legitimately coaching business, which is now a dirty word, but it's only a dirty word because the bullshit that's. We just tough. had Eric Bach and Luca Hosovar on. They both do really, really good stuff in that realm. So yep. it's actually important to distinguish between uh, the scuzzy ones or in the D DMs because it's sort of this easy, trendy thing. And you look at them and some of them are 23, 24 years old. It's like, how on earth could you possibly, you know, generated the track record versus people who, you know, are, you know, I'm 41 or in my general age range who have been in the business for 15 or 20 years, who've done a lot of stuff. And uh, one of the things we'll ask you about later is kind of elevating out of that space where you're coaching one-on-one -on -one people and expanding your reach into other things. Um, another important note to, for anyone who you know hasn't yet found you is you're also a really prominent voice for healthy mindset uh, towards you know, fitness activity as well. And obviously, I think a lot of what you're doing is really geared towards women, female clientele. But a lot of these messages will will be useful for anybody. So, uh, yeah, we're really appreciative of you being on here. So, 
Oh, I'm so pumped to talk about all the things. Cool. All right. So uh, I actually peeled a quote off your website, and I like this one a lot. It said, life is too short to be watching someone else's reality TV show on social media. Uh, how are you going to get excited about your own shit? So I wanted you to elaborate on that and maybe some of the dangers of comparing your entire existence against that curated highlight reel that everybody else is showing you. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I think it's totally valid. So if anyone was listening to that and it's like, oh, I do that. Like, I think it's so easy. It's such a low hanging fruit. It's like if you're scrolling on social media and you don't have something that you're excited about, it's really easy to get caught up in feeling as though you need to be doing more. Maybe you feel like you're lazy. Maybe you feel like everyone else is succeeding and you're not. And to me, that is always kind of a signal to me that like I'm wasting my time. So I notice like scrolling for me has absolutely zero return and like across the board, you know? And so even for some like market research, stuff like that, I think for me, if I find myself going down and I, I group that into other kind of uh, escapism uh, activities like online shopping, gaming, like it's not that that stuff's not okay every once in a while, but if I find myself doing that a lot, it's a signal to myself that I have to create something worth being excited about. I can't be excited about someone else's life if I'm finding myself, and it's funny because I've done a lot of market research, people are now watching Instagram stories at like TV, right? They're just watching it like television. Instead of actually watching TV, they're just putting it on and going from one story to the next until all the stories are gone, which blows my mind, right? I have like maybe five people whose stories I watch, and they're like my best friends and my siblings, right? So it's, it's always to me a message because I work with so many women who do want to create something bigger. Maybe they're personal trainers, maybe they're health coaches, and they're like, okay, I have a family, maybe I'm a mom, I feel like I don't have anything for myself and I wanna create something bigger, but oftentimes, if you don't have reps and you haven't created wins in a certain area, it's really easy to go down the rabbit hole of, so, of social media and looking at other people's lives and feeling inadequate as a result of that. And that's just, and then that just spirals into, I'm not good enough, I'm never gonna do anything, everything's been said already, which are all these kind of defeatist uh, you know, mantras that make you even more discouraged and feel even more in scarcity. And so, yeah, it was just, it was a little bit of a tongue in cheek kind of message to, mm. to, to wake us up a little bit and go, yeah, cool. Like what about me? Right. It's not about having to fit in. It's about like, what do I want to create? What gets me charged up? And it's just a reminder to do some work on some, some internal passion and purpose work. Well, actually it was an entire later question, but you basically went right into it. And uh, you also just had an infographic about creating versus consuming uh, we just had Jordan Syed on the podcast. We talked about this. I actually just wrote an article that will be published in the future on a friend of mine's website about creating versus consuming and shifting more towards creating. So I think this is actually a really relevant thing now in our space. And you said it best in how you just don't do the scrolling. So, which I, I don't know. I think that it's good to distinguish because my wife would fucking hate me. <laughs> she, <laughs> she like watches Julian Harris. She's like a Canadian like designer anyways. Long story short, does that, but she's also not trying to create a brand and she's not in this industry. So it's kind of like we can become consumers in this stuff without even knowing and it's designed to be that. And it's when you see, when you see these stories and you see these things and you see these people's lives, you think you have to do it like you're saying. And that's not the case. Like it's, it's one of those things where some of these people that are doing it have built that over years and it's just coming out because Instagram stories are big now. It's not like something that they chose, you know what I mean? My whole thing is we're actually all consumers, but in yeah. different spaces, right? So for me, I love Twitter, because Twitter, like to me, that's my space hmm. where I actually don't follow that many fitness people on Twitter. I follow people in like lateral disciplines. So I read a lot about like business, I'll read a lot about you know psychology, habit change, spirituality, like things that I actually don't know. 
that I'm a legitimate a consumer in because I'm not a, an expert in those things, right? Uh, sorry, it's a scratch day. So, <laughs> um, so to me, I love that because I'm not comparing myself. Right here. What is that? Record. No, it's uh, fine. We, we've had way worse on here, so don't even. Oh, uh, have you? Okay. Um. So, so to me, that's a space where I am a consumer because I don't have mastery over that content. But I think when you, you get caught up in looking at people in your own industry, and you want to your point, you want to create something in that industry. It's a huge distraction, and it can be a huge, um, you know, reason why a lot of people quit. It's because of that scarcity. So I, I think that we're all consumers in certain spaces. And then it's just like what your intentions are. I speak to health and fitness professionals. So to me, that message is really, it resonates with those people because that's what they want to create. But if someone's not want to create that, and that's what's hard about having a brand that does have multiple different pieces. Some of my just regular people who follow for workouts are like, this doesn't, I have no idea what this is. This is, it doesn't apply to me, but I can't asterisk everything. So you just let it go and, and you see how it's received. Something I've noticed in my interactions with a lot of the, the people I consider to be really successful in our industry space is they don't participate in a lot of social media discussion. They're not into the arguments. They're not, they, they don't spend their time scrolling. Um, and you talked about this with Sohi Lee. I know Jordan Syed is someone who I look in that realm. I know Brett Contreras falls under that umbrella. Mark Fisher, but those kinds of people. And there are a few exceptions. I think Mike Isertel is pretty active on Facebook, but Mike just has a lot of time to sit around in his crocs and, and do whatever he wants and it's highly successful. But for everybody else are really focused and diligent on uh, being content creators, surgically being very engaged in their clientele and the people that really matter uh, and then consume things that matter to them. So he talked with us about, she reads research, so that's her form of consumption. None of this is about, hey, don't consume anything ever again. Well, that's, it's that like one said. You guys both are saying the same thing though. Yeah. It's like, that's intention. And like, if you don't understand your intention, you're not making your own choices. Like, how are you supposed to surgically like do these things? And I think a lot of people just get caught up in with not the intention that they're thinking that they're doing. You know what I mean? Like they don't have the, not that they don't have the right intention, but what their goal is and how they're trying to have this impact. It's not happening with what they're doing. Yeah. And you know, the feeling, right? You know, it's two different feelings. If I'm, if I'm uh, consuming something, like I'm reading books and I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. It's a page. Turner and I'm like I can't get enough of this thing that's one feeling and then the there's the other feeling which I'm speaking to which is it makes you feel not good enough it makes you feel inadequate it makes you feel discouraged like have enough self-awareness to know which of those things and sometimes it feels good to feel bad so I want to validate that too like we're just we're exhausted from work and we get home and all we want to do is scroll it's the new television right and so it can feel engaging for a time and then over time it starts to dissipate our energy and we start to get uh, more discouraged and feel more defeated. And so you have to kind of have the self-awareness to know and then actively shut it off, which is harder. It's actually harder to stop watching television than it is to just keep watching television, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's harder to stop scrolling than it is to just keep scrolling. And so, um, you know, for someone who is trying to build, also I will abstract this by saying, I see this most often in people who are new to the space. Mm -hmm. uh, like you mentioned, a whole bunch of people who I know have a huge body of work of their own so to them, they've already had enough wins. They can look back at their career and there's evidence that they're good and there's evidence that, they, that their creations have been consumed by other people. So if you haven't had that experience yet, then you don't think you're good yet. And so that's why you know, I always harp on reps. And I always harp on especially this transition from consumer to creator online. It really is about starting to act like a business person versus as someone who's doing the other thing. So I tell my girls, 
instead of don't sign up for any more challenges, like don't sign up for anyone else's freebies. Sure. But only if you're going to look at it through a business lens, that's it. Like, okay, what is this person doing from a business lens? But you create the things that now other people are starting to consume. And that's a, a, a huge mindset shift that once you make it, you're like, oh, I'm good enough to make the things that other people consume. And that's a mindset shift that once you get there, you're like, okay, now I have permission. Now I really am assuming the role of creator, expert, authority, whatever that is. And it's cool to start other, seeing other people consume your stuff. And then you make that transition. And now you're starting to build your body of work. You said it without saying the phrase, but imposter syndrome, you basically just directly alluded to it. And that's something that's really relevant too. And the article that I've written uh, talks about that. I think procrastination, there, there's a couple of main elements to why people will get caught in this consumption loop. One is feeling imposter syndrome, that they don't feel good enough to put their creation out there yet. That's what you said. And two, it's reading another book, reading another article, following someone, scrolling for research becomes just another way to procrastinate but feel like you're being productive, but it's fake productivity. Yeah, I mean, to me, procrastination is another for, for perfectionism. Yeah. Like, they're the exact same thing. It's like, hey, um, it's just a, it's an excuse for being a perfectionist. It's not good enough yet. I'm not good enough yet. I need another cert. I need another, you know, and it's like at some point, and I think that's a huge mistake is we wait for someone to like deem us an expert. Like I always say, no one's coming to like give you the like seal of approval. You have to just assume the role of expert and then put your creations out there and see what happens. And that can be really scary, but it's like ripping off a bandaid. Once you do it, it's like all this like just liberation and ease starting to happen and you feel a lot of permission and it's fun. At what point, so this is actually good because you're here, because um, we talk about new people and like they fall into this habit. At what point on the continuum should you make the leap? Because there is a point when sometimes it's too early and it like backfires because now, and this is the whole imposter syndrome thing, but at some point in some people's careers, they're not ready to do that stuff. Like there's, like, you know what I mean? Or is it anyone can do it and appeal to their, their audience? Like what's your thoughts on that? Yeah. So this is a little bit controversial, but what I say is that the person who has the right to do it is the one doing it. Mm -hmm. like, literally that's it. I'm like the person who has, so, you know, as much as I think sometimes in our fields, and I've got caught up in this too, where we'd want to police, like we mm -hmm. see you know, Insta famous, you know, Belfies and stuff who have like millions of followers. And we're like, who are they? They just started exercising like six months ago. Right. And my whole thing is that's true, but also they have an audience that hasn't found that out about them yet. So I'm like, good for them. Like, so the idea that I'm going to go around and police people who are, uh, have the right to be successful to me in general, it comes out in the wash. I've been in this industry and doing business coaching. I've been in the industry for 22 years. I've been doing online business for 10 years. And like, I've seen a lot of people come and go and it's fine. It's just like, I know what it takes to stay in the game. I've had to do enough pivots um, and things like that to know what longevity looks like. So to me, I don't feel like that's my business to police that because if that person is going to create a sustainable business from the six months of, you know, they've been on online and the million followers they've generated because of their looks like, let's see what they're doing in five years. And if they, and I know they won't be around in five years if they haven't figured out a way to create a business out of it. This is, everything's transparent. We're in the age of Yelp and everything's screenshotable and all this kind of stuff. So to me, if you're not doing good work and if you're not in your integrity, that's going to come out. We've seen businesses just totally go under because of these things. And so for me, I'm here for it. I like that. I think that we're in an age where integrity, transparency, authenticity, have to be front facing because our consumers are smarter than ever. They're savvier than ever. They can sniff out BS faster than ever. There's nowhere to hide anymore. 
And I love that because if I'm coaching new coaches, I feel like they have a huge opportunity to do that. Well, I, so, think a lot of the, I think a lot of the opinions of like, we talked about gatekeeper syndrome or whatever the fuck. Right my mind, yeah. But, but like the people who are mad <laughs> generally are, I don't even say jealous, but there's that whole idea of like, why the fuck do you care? Because the cream always rises. Like you said, like not that all consumers are smart enough to see through the bullshit, but at some point these people will find themselves out or in a different space because they don't truly like it. It's kind of like everyone who wants to be here will end up being here or find a way. And the ones that don't, it's just like, it's like any other industry. And it's honestly, the fitness industry has been transient even without social media. You know what I mean? Yeah. So no, yeah. I'll give you guys an example. So um, I work with some naturopathic physicians, so some NDs who are trying to build their online business. And meanwhile, they go to medical school, they're, they have hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of debt, they um, are so generous with their medicine and they're like the real deal, right? If you go to a real uh, traditional, um, you know, naturopathic medical school, like you have a, an amazing education. But what's happening is we're seeing health coaches that are going to weekend seminars that are taking like three month courses, commandeering their material, right? And like, and, and touting themselves as like hormone experts and stuff like this. And, and this is what naturopaths have gone to school for, for medical school for. And so I tell my NDs, instead of getting mad, it's your responsibility to educate the public about what they need to be looking for. So instead of getting mad and being like, can you believe these health coaches take a weekend certification? And like, to me, the average consumer doesn't know the difference, right? So it's our job if we want to take it on to educate the public on what they should be looking for. So to me, that's an opportunity. I would, I would love to see that more from people. I 100% agree with that attitude. And it boils down to something I'm big on is assuming control of your attitude and your actions yeah. in the face of things beyond your control. So um, try to think of a good example here. You look at someone like Dr. Spencer Adolsky, right? He's getting out in this space and he's combating a lot of this misinformation. He makes fun of it. But Spencer's not sitting there complaining and whining about oh, Dr. Oz, for example, you know, or, or other charlatans in our industry who are willfully spreading misinformation because people want to grab onto it, or the, the, the documentary Game Changers and all the flaws in that. Well, go put out great information. Look at someone like Jordan Syatt, who is creating really fun, like practical nutritional information, sharing with people and building a really big audience instead of someone just whining about well, some documentary. But that's the big thing right now is like, and it's, I think it's always been big, everyone bitches, especially in the fitness industry, but <laughs> a lot of the people in the industry have these complaining posts or bitching posts about this or that, or now it's game changers. And like, what, what do you, what's your fucking solution? It's not arguing with a bunch of fit pros about why it's bad. And like, I think we talked about this with Eric Bach, but that's exactly the same thing you're saying, like step up and do something or like, Essentially, shut the fuck up because it's not helping anything except for I don't even know. It's like their own pity party. So. Yeah, I mean, so one of the thing, one of my mantras is, you know, the best way to critique is to create things. Hmm. So to me, I'm always I like, critique for something. I'm not gonna like, like my content can't be a rebuttal to someone else. Like it needs to be my version of the thing, right? So for example, instead of like shitting on game changers, I might be like cool, here's a great, like actually Jay did one that I ended up sharing. It was a, like a little infographic on how to decipher real information in documentaries. I thought that was so great. It was just like such a great tool that people could look at, not only for game changers, but all documentaries, right? So I think, especially in the online space, there is something to talking about what people are talking about. Yeah. I think that's, I think smart. like, you know, it is smart because that's what people are talking about. But I think being of service and creating something that's not just a rebuttal of the thing, but like educating so that people can learn moving forward. And so I love that infographic that Jade shared because it wasn't necessarily about game changers. It was more about 
how to interpret documents, you know, documentary films moving forward. Because we've seen this before, right? It was like, what the health and a whole bunch of other ones. So I thought that that was a great example. So the best way for me to critique is to create something. Especially if you want to be hot on the button. Like it's, it's smart to be on trend, but it's yeah. like, what are you contributing to like use it as opposed to like, I don't even know if like the people that are, I'm just using the people that are bitching, whatever. But like, what have they accomplished? Like, I don't feel like that's a net positive. It's not like people are paying the money because they had a post about talking there, negative game changers. There is a way to do it. And I think I'll, I, I'll use Lane Norton sort of as an example because Lane has been very successful, although he sort of bucked some of the trends a lot of the rest of us didn't do. And Lane did a rebuttal video on game changers, but that's Lane's brand. Lane has been very successful. He's very credible in terms of his education as an educator. That is his way. But if you have, you know, 1,500 followers uh, and then you're just, doing this negativity stuff. That's the same thing we're talking about is like these people, like so Lane, for example, and Lane had a good post, like he actually like had content about it and he actually had a reason why. But again, these people, like like Lee Boyce, people come on to these platforms already having thousands of followers. So like the way that they're doing things is specific to their brand, but they kind of get the right to do that because that's always how it's been done. So for someone else to do it, if they want to do what Lane does, it, it rarely works out because you're not Lane. And people aren't you, and people aren't me. Well, or Jill's brand is all about positivity, empowerment, and, and that stuff. Anyway, I don't think I've ever seen you post or say anything negative in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> you know, so a couple things on that. To be fair, someone who is in a position of, um, like, what I consider to be a trust agent, right? And that yeah. doesn't have to be someone who does have a thousand followers, but their local, you know, area looks to them for health and fitness advice, right? So True. to be fair, we are getting asked about it. I got a, a ton of DMs about it. I've gotten you know, friends and family asking me about it, text messages. So in a way, we kind of do feel a responsibility to like give our take. You know, if a new kind of controversial article comes out, people do want to know that your take on that. So there's something valid. But this goes back to the earlier conversation we were having about watching other people's reality shows. To me, this is all a huge fucking distraction. It literally is. Like if I'm like, give you an example. Like I'm in the middle of like a launch right now, like I'm, I'm launching a course, right? And I have like huge aspirations for the course. If I'm taking time out of that launch to fucking comment on game changers, like, I'm sorry, that's just, it's a distraction. Is it something that like is there and it's, and it can be for someone else. But for me, I'm like, what's my lane? Like, what is the thing that I'm doing? It goes back to the high level of like, what gets you excited about your own life and what's on brand for you? So to me, it would be um, a squirrel to go and like talk about game changers. Sure, maybe I'll mention it in my stories, but it's not gonna be a main part of my strategy right now because I'm focused on what I'm focused on and I have a plan and I, I, I have a sustainable business. So to me, I'm not gonna like have a Band-Aid business where I'm putting all these little things together that are happening in pop culture, like that's not my brand. My brand is is what I had, what the strategy I set a year ago for my 2019 plan, right? And I'm, and I'm following through on that. How do you stay on that plan and how do you say that to the people that come to you for advice. Yeah, how do you get them to be aware? Because you're talking about a next level awareness of like self and, and intention. Like what's, I don't want to give all away your, your secrets, but like where's the starting point for someone listening to this? Like start having those conversations, even by themselves. <laughs> selves. I think if you don't have a strong, <laughs> right here, sorry. It's okay. I think if you don't have a strong, um, I love and a strong why for what you're doing. Like, that's the thing. I, mean, I hate to say that because I feel like it's so, like, what's your why? Like, I feel like it's, okay, it's been overused a little bit. But when it comes down to it is, for me, it's always like, would I be talking about this of my own volition? Or am I just feeling like I need to talk about it because it's in my face? 
that's literally where I come back to is like, is this the thing that I would be talking about uh, of my own? And this is by the way, how I even make decisions in my business. So for example, Andrew hits me up and is like, Hey, do you, would you like to be on the podcast? The, what I filter it through is, would I have sought out this opportunity of my own volition had I known it was available? And if the answer is yes, then I say yes. But if it's someone who's literally just, just like uh, maybe uh, you know an email that I get or someone who's just uh, interrupting my day with their request, and I look at it, I'm going, this isn't something I'd be talking about. This isn't something I would seek out of my own volition. It's a no. And so that same thing with game changers, the same thing with the latest study, the same thing with, and it's not that I won't mention it here and there in my story, but it's not going to be my main focus. And so again, I do think that you have um, to earn the right to focus a little bit more. You have to earn the right to say no a little bit more. When you're first getting started, you're going to be much more susceptible because you don't have a show of evidence that you're good yet. You don't have a show of evidence that you've gotten a lot of results for people yet. Maybe you have in the gym, but maybe you haven't online. And so I think you're going to be more susceptible to going, well, maybe I should talk about this because that's what everyone's talking about. And maybe I should go over here because that's what everyone else is doing. And when I, I do business coaching and a lot of my girls will say, well, you know, um, I saw this thing on funnels and I need to do that. I saw this thing on, on SEO and I need to do that. And I'm like, you don't actually need to do any of that. But like, it's so hard to get focused when you, when you are so susceptible to all of those things coming in. And I think it really does take time and practice to get discerning. No, I love that. That's something that I'm always really interested in and work on is eliminating distractions, focusing on the things that are <clears throat> essential to where I want to be. Uh, and that's hard to do, especially in this environment. Like you said, with all this stuff, like hitting you in the brain, but I do like that filter system. I know it's like super simple. But that is a, like that's like a break or a pause to like start identifying these things if they're you or not. I think that gets lost because there's a thousand things that could be you, and if you don't have that filter, like you're kind of left to your own devices, which is that's hard. Yeah, and I think it goes to what you said earlier about like a, a level of self awareness. Like you do have to kind of know yourself. Like I'm the idea that like you mentioned about Lane Norton. Like that's his brand, right? That's not my brand. That's not something that I would do. And I ask myself like, is this a Jill fit? thing and if it's and it's not so it's like cool that's not that's just not part of my brand I'm not going to do it even though it's cool and interesting and timely it's just not it's a distraction so I have a mantra like that I use for myself that's I got shit to do like I have, I have shit <laughs> and I and it is the thing and I know it's kind of like just silly or maybe it's not really evolved but when I do get distracted because I'm human and you know I see people with multiple seven-figure businesses and I'm like oh my god and like I do get I need to be doing that I should be doing that should I be doing I don't know, fucking MLM, you know, what's everyone doing now? CBD oil, like what, like, you know, I do get the hits every once in a while, but then I just go like, what am I doing? What am I actually doing? That's not me. Like, this is me. And so I go, I should do like, I can't afford to, I literally can't afford to get caught up in that kind of stuff. Insecurity, comparison trap, you know, things that aren't my business to worry about things that are off brand for me. Um, so I try to, to me, that's just like the mantra that gets me back to center. That's my mantra is don't do MLM. <laughs> well, I think I what well I'm like whatever like obviously like, yeah I think they said they were they, like basically it's like a pyramid scheme and so uh, I just I just saw a post by a girl who uh, something about beach body oh they went certification that just went poof so oh, yeah, is that MLM though? That is MLM. It is Beach, Beach Body's MLM. Yeah. I didn't know that. I, I didn't. I don't. Again, that doesn't fit my mantra, so I don't actually care. But like, that's MLM. How? 
Uh, well, they teach people to, to, to do the things, and then they teach other people to do the things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So really that one went under. Herbalife has been getting crushed for years and on their bad reputation. I mean, it's not that it's it's like okay for someone who is like maybe a stay at home like it's un, it's for, unfortunate because really yeah. only the top five percent of the company make any money. Yeah. The average like anyone who's doing it is making like zero money. They have to pay like five hundred dollars a month to be part of it, and they're like getting that in supplements or something. Like it's not. And I was explaining to someone. Someone done for you like turnkey program it's it's sold to you as like this is so easy and you just like talk to your friends about it mm -hmm. and so from a marketing perspective i'm like oh i can see how something like this will take off because what i teach is a lot fucking harder but i think it's it, the sustainability of and it these are um you know cautionary tales that i think are important to at least for my group to be like cool if you want to do mlm that's fine but that's that needs to be a different arm of your business you need to have your own products and services that just depend on you when someone was asking me like why they don't do well and i'm like well a lot of them like they're only selling to the people that want to sell the businesses. And I'm like, it's kind of a shame, like with the beach body things, because there's actually people doing it because they like the beach body stuff. Those are the ones who get fucked because they have a whole different marketing plan that doesn't actually care about the consumer, which is like totally backwards. But I guess it is what it is. Yeah. We wanted to ask you about uh, Ready Fire Aim. Actually, one of my clients, Jessica, she'll be probably happy that I threw this out there, but she, um, she follows you as well. And we wanted to just find out about kind of the whole. I guess, uh, how do I ask this? What's the mission behind it? it? Yeah. yeah, the mission behind it. Business and mindset stuff. Yeah, amazing. So um, it is a two-week free business building course called Ready, Fire, Aim. So the idea behind it, one of the things um, that, I mean, all my clients would say about me or, you know, my peers would say about me is that I'm an, an action taker. So to me, it, the idea of ready, fire, aim is don't wait. Um, super simple, but it's like, okay, we don't have to be perfect. We just need to get out there. And so the idea is to get people some, and this is kind of like more of a business lesson. And the reason why I created it is to get people some fast wins in a really low stakes way so that they can kind of start to get some, some momentum and to be like, okay, maybe I could launch my online business. Maybe I could coach people over the internet. Maybe I could actually put my certification uh, to use online. And so oftentimes uh, what I, when I do market research, I talk to a lot of professionals all the time and I'm constantly curious about where their head's at with stuff. And they'll say, well, I'm so overwhelmed. I just don't know where to start. And I'm like, cool, here's two weeks. You don't have to think about stuff. In fact, I'm going to tell you all this shit you shouldn't think about at all right now and just do these couple things. And what happens is people take so much more action. So the promise is you'll take more action in 14 days than you do in the last 14 months because so many of us just sit and we spin our wheels and we keep trying to do stuff and we're not getting any traction and we're wondering like if this is even for us or we should be doing something else. And so I was like, you know what? Just give me 14 days. You absolutely hate it then you never have to do it again. But at least you will get in, you'll get some wins, you'll start to feel accomplished and you'll start to get some momentum to be able to go to the next level. So it's focused on a couple of things, mainly getting consistent on social media and what to post on social media to attract a potential ideal client. Uh, we talk about identifying that person, who is that person, what are their struggles, how can we speak that language? And we also talk about drawing a line in the sand. That This is one of the biggest things that I see with new fitness entrepreneurs, especially online, is they don't they don't stand for anything. And that's really hard. It's really hard to make a dent if no one knows what you do. And so uh, the idea behind having to draw a line in the sand and having some level of polarization about you so that people go, oh, Jill, she's the one with a moderation 365 or like, oh, she's the one who does the, the, the keto or like, and there's something to that. Whether or not you agree with someone's ideology or nutrition philosophy, it's important to have like, I mean, even Jordan Syatt, right? His thing is like, he, he has great information, but he does like all the Harry Potter yeah. 
things or whatever. And like, that's the thing as like silly as it kind of sounds, that's like a very great strategic business move. So I'm looking at that way and going like, that's cool. That's a thing that I go, that's a tractionable sticky thing about him. And so, and Spencer, right. Does the memes and like, Oh, Spencer, he's the one who does those memes. Can't wait for the new meme. (laughs) Exactly. And so getting people to feel comfortable and it's hard when you're getting started because you oftentimes just believe whatever you were taught from your coach, right? So you're like, oh, I don't actually know what my philosophy is yet. I just have done this because that's who I follow or that's who I read or that's who I've been uh, consuming. Like for example, Metabolic Effects, which is Jade's company, sold it a few years ago. He did certifications. He still does certifications, I think under a new brand. But like a lot of people came in to that certification and they got all the materials, they got the, you know, the downloads, the, the cheat sheets, whatever they're giving to their clients. So they don't know who they are outside of their cert. So when I ask them like, okay, what do you stand for? They're like, I don't know. I just do metabolic effect stuff. And you're like, okay, but you have to have something that's going to set you apart. Yes, that's a tool and that's great. And your clients will get awesome results, but who are you? And if you don't have that kind of uh, line in the sand where you do kind of alienate some people, it's okay to say, I help women lose fat. And that doesn't mean I'm fat shaming. Like there needs to be something where you stake your claim so that people can start to recognize you because you don't want a lukewarm response. If people are like, oh, Jill, her stuff's okay. Like, yeah, it's fine. Like, right. They're not going to unfollow, but they're certainly not going to pay you money. And so you do need to have that kind of line in the sand. So we did that to red fire. It's really scary. And then essentially this was a lead magnet that leaded people into or led people into um, a six month business course that I'm running called FBA or fitness business accelerator. So that's the launch I'm in right now. Cool. There's two things I was thinking. One of them I just already forgot. The other was, I think Ready Fire Aim is only for women. Is that correct? I want to. I had some. I had some views in there. Yeah, I had some oh, guys. You do have guys. Okay, so guys, you can go in there. Cool. I was gonna say what really resonated with that is like we're in this. I don't know. There's like the online world, and the strength world, and the meathead world, and fucking bodybuilding, all this shit. Um, but you see it in like the coaching world is like, I'm an FRC guy or I'm a PRI guy or I'm, a, I'm this, they're, they're stuck to someone else's model. And then they, they, they cease to think for themselves, which is, which is huge because then your, your, your ceiling is so low. You're as low as the model that you were intended to pay for. I've got a counterpoint to that. And this is the other thing I remembered, forgot, gotcha. whatever. And I'll use Martin Rooney's uh, training for warriors as an example. I think there are people who will be very, very happy being part of a yeah. tribe, something else. And I think Trade for Warriors is a great example of something that Martin is a dynamic, energetic, huge brand and persona. And his people tend to very, very closely align in a tribe with him under that umbrella and, and run those gyms. And I think that's actually perfectly fine. I think a lot of the people that you are talking about and working with are people who are trying to grow something yeah. over themselves and into their own bread. So those are two different types of people. It's okay to be the person yeah. who wants to be, uh, you know, someone part of Martin Rooney's thing and attached to it, but it's also worthwhile at least exploring growing. Well, that, well that's what I say. Your if, if your intention is to like, if your intention is to be something more, and you get stuck in a model, you're basically doing the exact opposite. Which I guess would be that self awareness piece, but it's hard for the person who wants more to do it in someone else's model because you're basically going to be under them. Which is, I think we all come up through someone else's model, right? Like yeah, eventually in the beginning too. Because oftentimes my women that I'm teaching business to have had their own transformation with health and fitness on some level, right? And they and so now they're they're um, you know the school of whole thirty or the the school of metabolic factor, the precision nutrition, right? And so they've had their own kind of trajectory. And but to your point, I do think you do reach a little bit of a ceiling with that 
I think it's great to use those tools. And if you, uh, you know, if, it depends on what the model is, right? I don't know if Martin's is like, a, there's some sort of like certification and it's a franchise or I don't know what that model is. Both, yeah, all, all of those. Okay, cool. Which for Martin is fucking amazing. Like from a business <laughs> I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Like I want moderation 365 to become a certification and I want people to go out there and use those tools with their clients. But when we're talking about personal branding, you can't be a, like a me too business. You're not gonna, you can't be like, Oh, I'm just a metabolic effect minion, right? It can't be that just that it has to be like, I have all these other, because remember we know that people connect like people buy coaches, not coaching. So like as much as you can have the most amazing tools and strategies and tips and tricks that you use with your clients, at the end of the day, you're a person and humans connect to humans. So who are you outside of that? The warrior uh, thing or metabolic effects or precision nutrition, those are great tools and you're going to get your clients results, but people connect with the, the human side of you. So one of the things I always talk about is like friend content and teacher content online your teacher content is when you put your teacher hat on and you just give solutions strategies things that people can really use but you also have to have that friend content this goes back to the reality show you know instagram stories is a reality tv show who are the characters what are the storylines you know i want to see to me if i see the same people in your stories all the time i know what those storylines are i feel comfortable as a viewer because i'm like this is safe oh yeah they're so and so okay i know them and the familiarity of that breeds trust, right? Okay. I know what Jill's doing. I know where she's at. I know like, you know, she has her podcast partner. You guys, you know, people know you together and you guys maybe have a dynamic between the two of you that you share. And that's, oh, yeah. it feels familiar, you know? And so I think that we need to show that friend content too, to inspire a level of trust and relatedness. I put my cat on my Instagram story and everybody loves him. So, yeah. and you're like, right. You probably put some like long ass, like really in depth caption you get like 10 likes and they put your cat on you get like a thousand likes more like damn it even as a consumer i think that that makes sense because like that whole trust thing like really hit home in terms of like what stories are really useful for and i think if i don't even think you have to have the intention of building trust but if it's i hate authentic but if it's just so easy that you're just doing it and like that's your life people can read into real and fake for the most part i think we had this discussion with jordan is like you can tell when someone has a fake laugh in public you're like fuck that's weird like that guy's got some problems but like you can see that on stories for sure like when it's curated to the point where it's not real in a yeah. medium which is like but it's true you she's seen someone who had a fake laugh in her life for yeah, sure that's bizarre that's like you know if you have you ever met someone in person that you followed online and you're like oh yeah well like you're just like okay like total disconnect that is bizarre to me because I'm like, I don't know how you don't be yourself online, especially with the tools we have now, like streaming, you know, like, I mean, this is real life that the garbage trucks coming by my dogs in the background, like there's just stuff and people are expecting that level of, I, I hate the word too, authenticity, but people are now expecting that. I feel like too polished is becoming suspicious. It's like, wait, what's the Very. touch here, right? And so I like it. To me, I'm like, there's a lot of space for people who are willing to be real. And it's been cool seeing Jordan's kind of, his come up. I've been following him for a number of years and see how he has really just, you know, kind of grown into his own and feel more confident sharing. He talks about sex all the time and stuff like that. And you're like, okay, cool. Like now it feels more real. Whereas maybe five years ago, he wouldn't have shared that yet or felt comfortable sharing that. So yeah, it's been cool to see. I think it's been an evolution of social media too. Cause I think that curated thing, like you're saying was yeah. kind of the infancy of Instagram. Like, you know what I mean? Everything was super curated and the medium itself has changed with some of the things they've added. But I think the people have grown and evolved too. And the new people coming up are seeing that change and that's just normal now. Before it was literally all curated. 
And I think there's, I think you can go too far one or the other. Like we all know what it's like when someone's like way too TMI. We're like, yeah, okay, oh, I know one person. That doesn't inspire trust, right? That doesn't inspire confidence. I'm like, you're showing screenshots of your ex-husband on Facebook. Like, I, like I'm like, no, I don't need to see that, right? So there, it needs to be a balance. It needs to be, yes, we could be friends if we live next door. We'd maybe have a glass of wine together. But it also needs to be like, I can learn something from you. So it's the competency and authority plus the connection and the relatedness. And you have to have both of those things. Like you don't want someone to be, it shouldn't be a dear diary on social media, right? That's just, it's too much. It's like maybe, well, yeah, we're in the shit together, but like, I can't learn anything from you. So I think you can go too far. What you just, what you said earlier about like meeting someone in person after falling online, what I tend to notice is people that you know in person, but then you find that their online oh, presence God. is a very different and curated and inauthentic sort right, of, and I you're just like, you know. I know you. That's not true. It bugs me. I, I don't. I don't get bugged a lot, probably because of my business history. But like, that's like my biggest pet peeve. Like, I won't be friends with you at that point. <laughs> and I, I mean, I, I don't know what that is? It's like maybe you know. Is I don't know if that's a, a in, insecurity or like whatever. Because you know the person in person, you're like you're great. Just be that. It just strikes me as they have an agenda and they're trying to grow a, a following without really concern for like that person's else. weird. It's the fake laugh syndrome. Like, I don't even know how to describe something that. that I'm very big into is sharing the people in the industry with each other, connecting people. Uh, I certainly love the networking aspect, but I have a massive resource of people who are great at specific things. The podcast is a way to share those people with the people who need that because I cannot be the Hip and hip mobility, Dean Somerset type. I can't be the 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 women's mindset guru. I hate the word, but that Jill is, and I can't be what Girls Gone Strong is. I can't be uh, Jordan Syatt and all his stuff. And go down that list. Mike Isertal and PhD level understanding of training volume and hypertrophy. But I can share all these people with the people who follow me, and help these people connect with each other. We're hosting a conference here again in you know September 2020. We're bringing in, we're gonna talk about, uh, there's a few people I won't say yet because we haven't confirmed them, but we've confirmed Christian Thibodeau, we've confirmed Sam Spinelli, Dean Somerset's one of my partners in it, the voice is coming back, so on and so forth. So it helps those people too. And the whole thing is, if I'm gonna endorse someone, they I better know enough about them to know that they're actually a genuine, authentic person. And if I smell fake on someone, sorry, you don't get shared. You, yeah. you know, I mean, I think it's one of those things, it comes back to the self-awareness talk of like, I can really appreciate someone who is a PhD or someone like Lane who loves to read research, or I can appreciate someone who's doing this thing over here while also not feeling the need to also want to be that. You know, I think that's a maturity thing and an awareness thing of, you know, knowing and being in your space. So what you kind of said, Andrew, about like, okay, I'm, I'm a great connector, but you also have your own expertise that make you, you, that people will go to. It's just because of that, even though, yes, you're a networker and stuff like that. But it's like, I think the self-awareness piece of, and when you're new, you feel like you need to be all those things. But when you start to really know yourself and you start to recognize your lane, then you're like, cool, I can appreciate someone who has a different expertise than I do. You know, one of the things that comes up with my girls, especially who, if you're getting started online, you're worried about your peers calling you out, right? Or like, you know, kind of trying to like gotcha or like whatever, if you're sharing maybe some biochemistry or whatever, and they're kind of scared of trolls and, and haters and stuff like that. And I get it, but why are you trying to be something that you're not? So when I started Jill Fit, I had come up through the metabolic effect 
uh, school. And, you know, as you know, with Jade, he like literally his favorite thing to do is read research. Like he loves to wake up in the morning, have a cup of coffee and read research for like hours. That's his like way of relaxing. And so he loves science and he's extremely intelligent is a genius in that. Um, and so when I was coming up in that space and I had just got my degree in nutrition, I was like, oh, I need to be talking about biochemistry too. And this should be the thing. And it was taking me so long to write my posts. Like I was literally like asking Jade, can you verify that this science is correct? Like <laughs> it was taking me forever and it, and it sucked, but I felt like I had to do that. And what happened was, is about three months into building Jill Fit, I was having like kind of a bad day going through some emotional stuff and I just took to my blog and I was just like, you know, and it was the first post that I had allowed myself to just kind of talk about a struggle that I was having and not like in a TMI way, but in a very like often, like very authentic, very honest, very transparent way. And it was terrifying, but it only took me about 20 minutes to write it, I wrote it, published it. And it was the, by far the most well-received post that I had had up until that point. And I was like, Oh, okay. I don't have to be that I can be this. And yes, I still love science. And I'm going to talk about that stuff at times when it's relevant, but I don't have to be Jade. That's not. And so I think a lot of us, we come up through a school and we have to decide what we're going to take into our iteration of it and what's not going to be ours. And so that's a discernment process that over time and that kind of self-awareness. So while I can now recognize the genius of Jade, also realizing I don't have to be that. There's space over here for something else. And I can also be successful at that. And what that does so well, and you already know this, is... Uh, you take all these women, mostly, but some men, who you're speaking to them on that, that emotional level, and you appeal to them, and then you're able to bring through the back door the science and expose it to them, when that wasn't necessarily what they were first looking for. They were looking for someone that they felt they had something in common with, or who... Oh, Spoke to them, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I think when you don't really know who you are quite yet in the space, you feel like you have to be the version of the other person first because there's obviously a show of success. Metabolic effect at that time was really successful. So I'm like, oh, let me just do that blueprint, right? Maybe I'll just do that and then I'll have some guaranteed success because my version of success hadn't been proven yet until I did the first thing. And then I was like, oh, there's a market for this cool, now I can start to feel more permission over here. And so one of the things that I do for my clients, especially my new clients who are new to online is I'm like, you have to rip the bandaid off at some point. You have to kind of like pull, you know, have that vulnerability that go on Instagram live, do a Facebook, Instagram story, like something where you do feel vulnerable. You're talking about a struggle you've had and how you overcame it. And it's funny when they look back a year later, they're like, I can't believe I was even scared to talk about that. It's like nothing to me now. Or I can't believe I was scared to do that. It's nothing to me now. And so it just goes down to at the end of the day, we just need reps. And through the reps, we'll start the, the self-awareness, I think, starts to happen. This is actually like kind of piggybacks into like our next question, which is more your career. And I think you probably already touched on it based on some of the advice you're giving. But you've basically grown beyond the boundaries of coaching one-on-one -on -one at a time. And like, what critical decisions did you make throughout your career that put you in your current position as an educator and industry leader? And like, I guess we now see it, the success that you're talking about, but like, what fears did you fight along the way that could have derailed your path? Um, well, I think one of the, one of the things early on that a lot of people deal with, especially if you're a trainer uh, in person is you're seeing a lot of one-on-one -on -one clients. Maybe you've even moved to group training online or in person, but you don't know how to get that onto the internet. So the first iteration of that is taking one-on-one -on -one clients online. So for example, maybe you have a client that you see in the gym, they move away and you're like, cool, let's do online training. So it starts with people that you know, 
a lot of times my girls will complain that they don't have any strangers, right? Everyone, they know everybody. And I'm like, cool, but that's normal. No one knows you yet. It's cool. It's fine. So you can, people who know you will pay you. And so start with one-on-one coaching. And that's what we did at Jill Fit. So we started just doing one-on-one fat loss coaching. We were doing a lot of competition prep, a lot of very restrictive meal plans. The Jill Fit audience was very intelligent. A lot of them are professionals themselves. Uh, they, they, again, were really into the science, um, biochemistry, love talking hormones, all that kind of stuff. And it was great. And we were doing one-on-one coaching and I brought on five additional coaches and all of us were maxed out. We were had like over a hundred clients at one point. All of us were maxed out time for money. They didn't want any more clients. I didn't want any more clients. So I just took the problem I was having in the gym with no time and put it online. But it took us about 18 months to get to that saturation point. It was great. We were already at a six-figure business. Um, everyone's getting paid pretty decent money for basically not doing a lot. And I was like, I don't know what to do next. I literally don't know where I go with this. There's no more time. And this is when I, this is a really cool story. You guys know Rachel and Alan Cosgrove? Yeah. Well, they're legends in the business space, right? Oh, yeah, and they're they're my mentors. So I remember at that time I was um, I was just coming off of like my fitness competitor, fitness modeling days, and I was like, you know what? I need a mentor or a business coach or someone who can show me that how to get to the next level. And I looked around that space and I was like, no, it's like not Jamie Eason, right, or Monica Brandt. Like these people were like they were uh, legends in that space. But I'm like, they don't they're not doing the things I want to do. I don't want to be in magazines. I had done that. I don't want to do that. So I was like, let me see who in the industry is living the lifestyle I want to be living and doing the things. At the time, Rachel Cosgrove had had um, an article. In, she had a column in Women's Health. She had a couple books out. You know, she was hosting live events. And I was like, that's who I want to learn from. So I reached out to Rachel on Facebook, as one does. Hey, Rachel, do you take coaching clients? Uh, I'm thinking about doing, you know, I want to get my business in the next level. And she goes, great, you know, um, sure. It's for 30, for 30 minutes. It's $375. And I was like what? Like I literally like jaw on the ground. You're charging $375 for 30 minutes. Are you insane? And I was like, okay, took a beat. I was like, all right, if this bitch can charge $375 for 30 minutes, I need to learn what she's doing. So I paid it. And then at the end of the call, it was great. She coached me up on some stuff and it was, it was great. Got some insights. At the end, she pitched me on her year long mastermind. Right. And so that was like $10,000. And I was like, is this bitch crazy? Like, what is she? I don't even have a credit card that has a $10,000 limit on it. So I'm like, okay, obviously I can't do it, right? So I was like, thanks so much. Sounds good. I'll let you know. Blah, blah, blah. We do on a sales call. A couple weeks went by, and Jade, to his credit, was just like, Jill, we got to figure out a way for you to get that money. And I was like, I have no idea how I can come with the $10,000 and, like, and start this thing next week. And so I literally pulled out of my ass a business coaching program. It was, it was like a third business, a third mindset, and a third uh, fitness because that was kind of the space I was in. And I got 14 people to give me $100 a month for 12 months. 14 people. And I made 17 grand, paid Rachel, and I was like, holy shit, I'm rich. And so it wasn't even like – and the coaching with Rachel and Alan were amazing and they're my mentors and they're, they're incredible – but it wasn't even the coaching itself that got me to the next level. It was the person I had to become as a result of the investment that got me there. And so for me, the next iteration or getting out of that space, it was a total scarcity mindset of, I can't do that. I can't afford that. That's not for me to like, okay, how do I actually, could I actually? And so it's that possibility mindset. And so it was the thing that I was forced to create as a result of someone telling me like, you, you know, you want to get to the next level, you got to pay up. 
you had to pay to play. And I had not experienced that before. And so now I'm just an investor. I'm like, cool, where can I get my money? Like I'm, I'm, that's a, my, that's my value system now. So that was a big shift. And from there I created all sorts of products and services and courses and things that people didn't need me, my face. I like learned all the technology and I did all the things to leverage my time a lot better. And so you have to, to make that leap. And so I don't know which comes first, the chicken or the egg. Do you, do you create the program to make the money to do it? Or do you just figure out a way to invest when you don't have it? And I tend to think that it's the latter. I, I completely agree. Cause like any good, well, not any good things, but it's got to hurt. Like even like with like these high ticket things, whatever the fuck you want to call them. But like they work partially because like it hurts the individual to come up with that money. You're sure as hell going to try a lot harder. And you see that with nutrition or even training, like online coaching, like people can't afford online coaching, but they kind of can. But when it's $300 a month, you're going to follow the fucking program, especially if that's a lot of money to you. $10,000 is a lot of money for anyone. Like you had a six figure business, which you probably like, and that's a lot of money. You know what I mean? And so it's, it's interesting because I would tend to agree that anyone who's had something that hurt, they got so much more out of it. There's something I want to really point out here too, for anyone listening. And again, if, if you know who Jill is, and I've been following you a long time, like I said, you know, we view you as someone who's really successful. But it's nice to hear this story of the the places that you were in the past, which is really relatable, I'm sure, to a lot of people listening here. And maybe you could crystallize that just a little bit and realize, wait a second, someone was there and is now where you are. All of the people that we've been throwing around in this episode who are pretty successful, they had a starting point. They had fears. They had failures. They had struggles along the way. And hopefully, you just take pieces of the stuff that well, it's relatable, but also the, the keys to why you guys broke through it and well, the persistence. Yeah. I, I have a question on top of that, just before I forget it. Yeah. Is like, how long ago was that? That was in 2011. Okay, so that was a long time ago. But that, it's not that but, but, but like, ago. so where I'm getting at is like $10,000 for some of these programs isn't unheard of. How, how, I guess someone's listening to that, they're like, yeah, I'm going to go spend $10,000. But like, there's a lot more people that they could pay $10,000 to nowadays. How, how do they go about figuring out who that right person is to like take that risk? And I know that's a hard question because it's, there's a lot of people out there, but I mean, what would you mean, you how do you know who to give it to? So this is a great question. And this is something that's a little bit more relevant to where I'm at now is because I had mentioned after that, I was like, cool, I'm just, I'm someone who invests. Like to me, that's a value system. I, I always have a budget every year that I put towards mentorship. Um, last year I was in two masterminds. Um, one was 35 grand and one was 15 or 20 grand. Um, and so for me, like, that's just my, I'm always like, can I learn more? Can I connect with people more? Where are my resources, et cetera. And out of the two masterminds, one I joined for strategy and like um, to meet people and the other one I joined because the person was very similar to me in personality and I really looked up to them in more of like a mentorship way and the person who was more similar to me I got way more out of and so even though I joined another one because this person had you know this huge following and you know they were a mover and a shaker in the industry that was not um, I didn't get nearly as much out of it because I didn't get along with the person and because not that I didn't get along with them it's just they they attract a lot of people like them. So I didn't really feel as though I fit in personality wise in the mastermind. And that changed my experience versus the other one that I felt like wasn't as, you know, um, 
flashy, right? Maybe flashy. It was um, a group of people who I got along with really well. And it was like, I got so much more out of it. So I think how to give money. Yes. Strategy is key because there's a lot of people who are selling high ticket stuff who are not in the trenches. This is a huge pet peeve of mine. Um, in fact, last year, one of my, uh, three of my girls who were in my mastermind previously went somewhere else and two of them came back to me after because they just weren't getting, they weren't getting delivered the thing that they were, um, they were promised. And to me, that's bullshit. Like you have to be, so I do pride myself on being uh, in the trenches with my clients, understanding, being on the pulse of the industry. Otherwise, what am I selling? So that is important strategy is, can you learn from this person? But most of all, do you get along with them? Are you similar to this person in personality? Because you're spending a lot of time together. So if you're going to give someone $10,000, you need to respect them. Right, and you just feel as though you can have a connection with them that you might be friends if you weren't in this paying situation together. So I learned that through obviously, you know, a lot of just trial and error. So I think that was your question, but I'm not sure. Well, that's huge. Yeah. It goes back to understanding, like we were talking about fake people and all this stuff. But essentially, like if you're going to be putting that money online, because like that's a realistic thing. Like, we make fun of business coaching all the time, but there's actually ventures that are worthwhile. But if you don't. And I'm not going to say your advice is the only advice, but I mean, if you don't connect with that person, that could be a, a potentially risky investment because their experience is going to change. It's going to totally change. You're not going to want to go to live events. Like you're not going to show up to the things because you're going to be like, ah, oh, like I just don't feel like I fit in there. Especially when you get into these like higher, what is really interesting and maybe you guys have had this experience and I'm, I'm kind of like trying to pull back the curtain a little bit on this is these, when you get into these higher kind of success groups, you're starting to see some stuff that you're like, yo, like that. It's just, it's a weird, there's a lot of kind of like secrets and like behind the scenes thing that are happening at these like seven figure, multiple seven figure businesses that no one's talking about on social media. And they're not telling the people who are paying them this stuff. And I think that's kind of bullshit. So the best life podcast is my podcast. And I do that with my co-host Danny J. Um, and we did one on like pulling back the curtain on Instagram influencers. And it was the things like, you know, like renting, like literally business coaches will rent designer bags and shoes for a photo shoot to look as if they're living that lifestyle and to me that's like and so it's not that it's um illegal it's just gross it's weird you know? it's, it's so crazy yeah. yeah and like where you're renting a car for a photo shoot and pretending like you own it to me that's just it's totally out of your integrity or people are saying that they have a seven-figure business when maybe they they're spending two million dollars on facebook ads right so it's all these kind of like it's not that it's wrong. It's just, it's not the whole truth. And for people just getting started, I feel bad that they're not being told some of these things. And so that's my mission is always to be as transparent and as honest as possible with this stuff. And I feel like that's a service. I feel like the online business digital marketing space is where like the body esteem space was five years ago. So remember like five or 10 years ago on Instagram, you wouldn't see someone grabbing their roles or showing their cellulite. And now we're seeing so much of that. I think people are feeling so much more permission to be honest about their body insecurities. We're not quite seeing that in the business space yet. We're still seeing a lot of smoke and mirror. Well, I, I alluded to the fact that anyone who's listened to us that we like, we, we don't trash on it, but like, we make a lot of jokes. But part of that is because we've talked to a lot of people and a lot of these off air conversations that we like won't air. Cause like there's some fucked up shit. <laughs> like we can't reveal that, but like we have an understanding of some of these things that it like makes you question a lot of people's practices. And like, that's why we make fun of it to, to some degree because it does help people realize like there is a lot of bullshit. And although we don't highlight all of it, cause like it's some shady shit. It's just like, you gotta be careful. And then that's why I asked you that question about mm -hmm. investing your money because there's a lot of people, there's a lot of high ticket stuff. 
and there's a spectrum just like any industry of like good and bad but the bad tends to be like real shady in the fitness industry i don't know why that is but i'll clarify something too is i'm very very careful about the people we bring on here there's yeah. a reason why you know you're here and uh you know if you look for our guest list these are a lot of people with with integrity these these sort of background conversations are about the stuff that goes on uh, I would never willfully pull someone on in here who has uh, is doing all this like shady bullshit themselves. You just gotta trust us, but like <laughs> everyone bring on is like not messed up. Well, you think well, about like digital business, right? Like, there's no way to verify that stuff. If I tell no. you that Jill fits a multi seven figure business, <laughs> right? Like, okay, like, you know what I mean? So it's if you don't have your integrity in this business, you don't have anything. To me, nothing means anything. Your word doesn't mean anything. You know, and obviously, you know, I, I think you guys probably know Jade and I are kind of like personal, you know. Absolutely. I've listened to both of you guys on, I've actually listened to numerous podcasts of yours, you know, starting several years ago. So that's how you kind of came onto my radar. Uh, I feel like it's probably through the FitCast might have been the first place I ever found you. Yeah. And so, the, you know, Jade and I have gone through what we've gone through in our own relationship and, and both of us came on the other side of that just with a, a relationship to honesty that we didn't have before. And so I think you have to ask yourself, like, is my word worth anything? If I'm just putting up on social media that like I'm a multi seven figure business, like, and I'm making that shit up to like create social proof. I'm, I'm never going to like, it's going to come out in the wash, right? I need to be able to deliver like someone delivers who has a multiple seven figure business. Like that's, and it, it does. And we're kind of seeing this. There's a lot of conversations that are happening behind closed doors where people are not delivering on the things that they say they're going to deliver on. They're not exactly who they said they were. They haven't had the success that they said they have. And online, there's nowhere to verify it, which is frightening. It's terrifying, which is why I think it's so important to, you know, I mean, maybe this shit will get me blackballed in the industry, but like for me, it's an important conversation to have. I'd rather be make less money, but have my word and, and have people get real results. So I think it really comes down to knowing yourself. And that's why we get people on air because it's even with the stories and stuff and the curation you can really tell when something's not curated. So, and that's kind of why we ask questions the way we do, especially in this industry. And we'll just use business coaching, for example. But if you ask a question, like you're taught to have that narrative and like own your stuff. And so people know your mission, but when you get off the rails, can you talk about it? Like it's your thing. Like, and is it really truly you? And people get to that in live conversations because they have to, like if you, you can tell someone if they're authentic, we use fucking authentic too much, um, <laughs> but you can tell that just by listening. You know what I mean? Like is I it can. Who they are. Yeah. Or, is or it just are they shit? reading off a script? Yeah. Right? A curated script. Like an, a script is cool. You have to have a script. It's fucking business one-on-one, especially for some of these sales calls if people are new to it. But like, can you get off that and be you? That's a hard, it's not, it's, it shouldn't be a hard thing to do. I know. That's why it's so weird. There are authenticity coaches now. Have you guys seen that? <laughs> yeah. That's why I don't like saying the fucking word. Like, it's Which... so hard to teach someone how to be themselves. But like, okay, you are in social media. You know, the way it started out was very highly curated. So I had a moment. This is really interesting. It was in 2012 or 2013. Um, I was, I think it was 2012. I was just coming out of fitness modeling and like that whole like obsessive dieting space. And I was feeling a little bit insecure. I was going to be speaking at a business event or was it it was an event for fitness models, but I was speaking on business. So I wasn't even going in there. Like I didn't need to be shredded or I didn't need to like be a fitness model to give a talk. Right. Um, but I remember feeling so much pressure, like, Oh my God, these people who have maybe followed me on the internet are going to see me in person. And like, they're going to see that I'm not 10% body fat. And I was like, do I diet for this conference? Like that seems weird. But I remember having a moment where I was like, you know what? Like, I'm just gonna, I never want someone to be 
to be shocked when they meet me in person. So I'm just going to fuck it. I'm just going to show up and I'm just going to like show up who I am and I'm going to be competent. I'm not even speaking on fitness and nutrition. I'm speaking on business. So I'm just going to be competent and show up and I want to do a lot more speaking events. So I can't afford to be this insecure and stressed out every time I do one. So I was just like, I don't want people to ever be like, Oh, Jill's she's different or online. She's so shredded. And when I saw her in person, like, Oh, like you, I never wanted that response. So I was just like, fuck it. I'm just going to show up and be as open and transparent as I possibly can. And I remember making that like conscious shift. Well, I was going to highlight the irony of what you just said, because if anyone doesn't know who you are yet, please just go and like check out social media and recent photos. And you're in fantastic shape. You're someone who does walk the walk, right? So this, this sort of sounds funny. Uh, real quick. You got just a little more time for a couple of quick things. Okay, yeah. cool. I want to make sure we weren't uh, chewing up time in something else. Uh, we often like to do two things at the end of the podcast. One is grab maybe an influential book from each guest, something that maybe was really pivotal in your, your philosophies, your mindset, in your career, uh, that sort of stuff. And uh, yeah, so share something there if you have one. So I have multiple, but... Um, yeah, sure. Go ahead. Doc, doc yourself out. Oh, okay, cool. Um, well, I mean, I think it just depends on like what ex where exactly you are in your journey. So one of the books that was extremely pivotal for me in like the mindset journey, the kind of like personal development space, if anyone is struggling with uh, relationship stuff, uh, personal development, mindset, et cetera, is a book by Byron Katie called Loving What Is. So I'm a huge fan of Byron Katie's work. She has multiple books. Um, and it is personal development, but I'm, I'm very much like, I don't love like Eckhart Tolle and stuff. That, that stuff never really resonated with me, that very like woo-woo side of things. And right. for all people it does, but for her stuff is so grounded in reality and accepting reality. And it's all, you know, it's very simple. It's just like, it's a simple solution. So it's called Loving What Is huge game changer for me in terms of my perception of events. Um, kind of going through like, from that like victim mentality to more of an empowered mentality. Um, and then I would say there's then a couple of business books that were huge influences on me. Obviously the four hour work week, I read that in 2007. That was huge, especially when I was grinding at the gym. Uh, that was a big one for me. Um, the book, uh, to sell is human by Daniel Pink. That was huge. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it just totally normalized selling as not like scary. And that was really important to me uh, at the time. Um, Obstacle is the way. Ryan Holiday was a huge one. Um, just And these books were moments in time that I needed them. And then I would say like maybe one more is The Powerful Engagement by uh, Phil Schultz, I think. No, Howard Schultz is the, I'm always, I always get a name. The fact you stuff. remember the authors is awesome. Yeah. The powerful <laughs> engagement was one that um, helped me with like energy management, right? So not so much time management, but energy management. So a lot of different kind of personal development business books that have had huge impact on me. I was going to say the obstacles away. It's written all over a lot of your philosophy stuff, which aligns very closely with the stuff I believe in. It goes back to what I said earlier. It's one of my favorite books. Your, you know, your attitude. You're in control of your attitude and your actions, no matter what else comes at you. And that's the very essence of Obstacles Away. Um, Which is I a love hard, that book. I mean, obviously, the original Obstacles Away is, um, what's it called? Man's Search for Meaning. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm so glad you said that because I feel like they're the same message. I actually got... You literally just received it. Yeah, I got a, a physical gift of Man's Search for Meaning in the mail last night. <laughs> I had just connected a couple people, and so as a thank you, I'm actually wearing the tank top uh, Adele sent me. It's uh, from Mesa, Texas. You can see that. I know our audience can't, but it's on my Instagram. And you're absolutely correct. They're the Classic. same sort of thing, right? No matter what the hell th gets thrown at you. Honestly, anyone who's dealing with any sort of struggle or you're upset about something or something's unfair, go read Men's Search for Meaning, okay? You got to tough through the first part where he details the horrors of the Holocaust. And I had to put it down my first reading of it. 
read that, experience that, and then see what this man, these people went through. And guess what? You'll put some stuff in context and you'll be fucking fine no matter what's going That's on. That's why Andrew's my own book. Like, <laughs> I think I've messaged him a few times over the years. Like, I need like this thing. Like, what book should I get? Oh my God, this, this, this. And you have like a ranking system, but it's good. Okay. Yeah, those those are great books. I actually I wrote down a couple of the ones I wasn't familiar with because I want to check them out. Uh, the four hour work week is kind of hilarious because like I read I've read it twice now, but like once when it was kind of it was different, and now it's kind of like it's almost outdated in some sense mm -hmm. because yeah. it's so yeah. different. But it's cool to see when he wrote it because how like it was right and how and how different it was. They're like there's no fucking way, but like it was it was possible at that time because it was so new. And yeah, undiscovered I was, it. I was personal training like 78 hours a week at the gym, like just grinding 4 a.m. to 8 p.m. every day. And yeah. I read it, I listened to it rather, my car. And I remember being like, this is bullshit. Like, this is like complete <laughs> bullshit. Like, good job, Tim. But like, this, you don't understand our industry. This could never work for me. And it actually took me a couple of years to start even thinking, maybe I could actually open up my schedule a little bit. Maybe I could actually ask my clients to come at different times. Maybe I could actually increase my prices. Like the 80-20 thing took me a, a, a good amount of time to get out of that scarcity that I think a lot of us are in in the fitness space of like clients are gonna leave, gym's gonna close down, the gym owner hates me, like all these kind of things. It took me some time to implement that stuff. But at first I was like, this is a joke. And he was like the first person, I, I, I liked him Ferris as much as he's crazy. Um, <laughs> but like what he did at the time was just like awesome. Like he was like the first person, not the first person, but like to capitalize and tell people like what that world was. And like I said, everyone is kind of skeptical, but he did it way early and like he, well, he's, he's fucking rich now. Yeah, he's got a big <laughs> podcast talking to people like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like he's the even the podcasting. He was a podcast before podcasts were cool and like the few people that pop just like make millions. It's funny. I remember seeing when that book came out, um, seeing him on the Today Show, and they had someone on to like rebuke his the way he did things. And the guy was like, four hours a week is like, there's no way you can work that much. And this guy is getting like so worked up, and he's like sweating, and he's like talking about how you got to grind and you got to do this, and you like he's like really for that like grind mentality and like the working all the hours. And then Tim sitting there just being like very calm very collected and of like okay which of the two do you actually like which would you rather be of these two you know it's just funny probably the guy with 50 million in the bank i think, I think <laughs> that you can find good things with anything too like i mean like the cap the antithesis of ferris would be someone like gary vaynerchuk who's talking about you know not celebrating working till midnight on a friday night while you know other people are having drinks uh, I don't think that stuff's healthy but just different gary can be inspirational there can be some useful messages too because you didn't get where you are without working very, very hard. Tim is all about working smart strategically, but that also doesn't mean that you don't work hard anymore either. And you combine the two and guess what? You're probably going to end up pretty successful. Yeah. You just become discerning. I think, you know, like, I mean, obviously Mark Manson stuff, he's so great too. So if, you know, we're having a conversation around discernment, uh, subtle art, not giving a fuck is always a classic. That's Andrew's favorite book. That's not true. <laughs> No, like there's different strokes for different folks. That's the cliche term. Like that's that's that book's not for him. Actually, you know what? I gave Mark a chance with his second book, uh, Everything Is Fucked, and I actually thought it was a fantastic book. I love to savage the subtle art. It's yep. one of my favorite things to do. But even I chilled out on that a little bit. It's just that I just uh, love when everyone brings it up. We, we also know that everybody now is putting swearing in the title of their book to sell more copies of it. Well, Mark is a, a genius. There's very few people who who make me jealous about their <laughs> ability to communicate, and he is one of them. He's a great storyteller. He really is a great storyteller.
Um, okay, let's finish this off. Um, where do people, we, we've talked about a lot of your ventures, but like where's the best place to find you online and what you're doing? Uh, yeah, definitely. Let's connect on social media for sure. I'm at Jill Fit on all the things. Um, so probably Instagram I spend the most time on. Facebook I use just mostly for business. Um, and then the website is uh, just jillfit.com. So if you're interested in some of the stuff that we talked about, there's over 700 blogs on the site. So, and there's categories, so you can choose which ones. You can talk business, mindset, nutrition, fitness, all that kind of stuff. So that would be the best way. And if, and if you want to jump on my email list, they always get my best stuff on, uh, just go to jillfit.com. Any link on the site, will put you on the list. Um, I hope everybody listening, especially our longtime listeners, realizes why I made such a big deal about getting you on here. This was fantastic. Uh, if you're somebody who's really working on the business side of, of fitness, then this is an essential episode. But yeah, you like you said, you have a lot of really great information in other realms too. And I know we went a little business heavy, but oftentimes it's really important to be great at the business side, the marketing side of what you're doing, so that you can actually do more of the training nutrition side with more people and help them. Uh, and if you are finding us for the first time because you see it on uh, on Jill's uh, social media, then we've had a bunch of people that you might really enjoy, and that includes Jade in a previous episode. So you know, maybe check some of that out. And anyone who's finding you for the first time, I'll say this: don't just stay with our podcast here. Uh, go check out yours. You have your podcast, but go back and check out some of Jill's episodes on other podcasts. It is really some of the best stuff that I've found out there. Uh, and it gets into again, you alluded to you know your history with you and, and Jade. Um, and there's a lot of other elements about your history with the body image issues, uh, being a competitive, like a fitness competitor and the stuff that you did. So you alluded to a few of these things, but uh, Jill goes into a much deeper story on some of her old episodes. Uh, and I think you can find that anywhere, which is why I didn't ask about those things today. I wanted to stay on some stuff. So thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Stay online for just a couple seconds. We've got a couple things to tell you and, uh, guys, uh, stay tuned next week for a new episode. Bye guys. Thanks so much for having me. Shut up and sit down.